All right, welcome. Today I'm with my friend uh, Nico. Uh, we've been friends for a few years. Uh, Nico is 31, lives in Malibu, grew up in Indonesia, is a SAG actor, musician, planted lots of house churches, done lots of ministry all over the place. Most importantly, just a great friend. So I'm glad we get a chance to talk. Uh, the reason why I'm doing this is because for four years now, I've been on a journey uh, just trying to teach the Bible, teach people about God, see as many little churches as we can spring up uh, in all places, all spaces, and uh, helping people get water. I've met a lot of really wonderful friends along the way, and there's some insights into some of those people that I've uh, met that I hope we can listen from and learn from to sort of gain some wisdom, make our lives better, so we can do what we need uh, to do, a little bit of the heart behind it. So we met three years ago. I feel like it's been longer than that. Yeah, Is it three years. Yeah, I feel three like years. it's. Three yeah, years. it feels longer. Maybe four. Okay. Three or four. But you grew up in Indonesia. Wow. Yeah. That was it. That night with Callie and Hope at Sir Coffee. I think it was with Callie and Hope. Yeah. And then you you told me the first day you met me. This guy tells me the first day he met me. He's like, I want you to plant a church. I'm like, you just met me. How do you know me? You know, the smile. <laughs> I told him I pray about it for like six months. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, it was pretty clear. <laughs> I can I can see things in people pretty fast. So oh, here we are. Here we are. Um, but you grew up in Indo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. You're the only person I know who's grown up in Indonesia. Yeah, so I grew up in Indonesia. Uh, I was born there. My parents are American from California. I was born in Bandung, Indonesia, on the island of Java. And uh, my dad's actually working over there. Um, an incredible house church movement going on over there. Of, you know, just simple house churches of five <clears throat> Muslims and one believer. And then they all read the Bible. They all get saved. And they, they plan another one. Boom, boom, boom. So over the last like 10, 15 years, just been like 500,000 new believers in Indonesia. Um, and this is the first historically the first big move of God that's ever been recorded there. So it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, house churches work everywhere in China, India, Indonesia, US, anywhere there's houses and people. So it's, it's fun. Um, yeah, so growing up over in Indonesia, um, I, had a, I had a really fun childhood, surfing, playing soccer, flying kites. Uh, I was the only white boy in my whole neighborhood. Everyone else was Indian or Indonesian. <clears throat> really great, fun life until um, about junior high when my mom started getting sick. And yeah. so we went to some doctors in Singapore. They said you should go to America. Um, we went to some doctors in North Carolina for seven months. Then they said you should go to San Jose. We go to San Jose for seven months. And if, um, my parents sat me and my sisters down on the couch. It was, a, it was a really sad day for me because my mom was just an amazing lady who loves the Lord. And they just said, hey, you know, the doctor says she has a type of Parkinson's disease. She may only live another five or 10 years. I'm about 12 years old at the time. And just devastated. You know, my, my parents said, we're not going to move back to Indonesia. We're going to stay in the U.S. And I, I really felt like an astronaut who just went up to the moon and the spaceship just broke and I'm stuck. I'm like, I don't want to live in this country. I want to go back to Indonesia. You know, it's kind of like Salvador's yep. family, friends, surfing. I was like, my whole world just fell apart in one day. Um, 
Thankfully that uh, I was already saved. Um, August 14th, 1996, I asked Jesus to forgive my sins, be my king. And my parents had already taught me how to read the Bible and how to pray. So when I was 12, and I was just, I was devastated, I was sad. I actually felt so much sadness that I felt like a physical pain in my stomach. Um, and, but thankfully my parents had taught me how to pray, read the Bible, so I would just go into my room for hours and hours on end and just read Psalms, read Proverbs, pray. And then the pain would actually go away from my stomach. And I would feel like the peace of God. And I just feel back to zero. And I, I was like, I'm going to do this all the time. So, so yeah, God really, um, God a hold of my heart from a young age, junior high, high school. I was already pretty radical. By the time I got to high school, I would bring my Bible with me. It was a big black Bible, but I'd bring it with me under my arm everywhere I went to school. I was in a big public school uh, near Pismo Beach called the Roy Grady High School. Probably like 3,000 students. I was the only one that would bring my Bible outside of my backpack and walk around with it. And I'd put it on my desk, you know, boom, every day. Public statement of faith. This is what I am. This is what I do. I read the Bible. I'm a believer in Jesus. I try to share with uh, anybody at school that would listen to me. I was a, I remember I was a sophomore and my friend Aaron Lunsford was a senior. He saved me from this, uh, this fight in the locker room one day when I was getting pinned up against the locker with by this big football player who saved me and he's like my best friend. So then I, I went to go save him. He saved me physically, so I got saved him spiritually. So I, I just shared the gospel with him. Jesus died for our sins so we could go to heaven and not pay for our sins. And I asked him if he wanted to pray, pray that prayer and accept Jesus. And he said, let me think about it. He went home that night. We, we had lunch the next day at school. And uh, he says, hey man, I went and prayed that prayer asking Jesus to forgive my sins, to be my king. So he got saved, and I was a sophomore, he was a senior, it was awesome. And yeah, since that, really since a young age, I was very driven, I was very on fire for God. And it's not even something I could have planned for myself because with my mom passing, I just knew, oh my gosh, life and death is real. I don't know if I'm gonna live to be 30, 40, 50. My mom passed when she was about 56, and I was 21. And so life and death became so real to me where it's like, I want to live for God every day, whether it's sports, academics, my work, I want to go all out in everything I do. And so I was already doing that in high school. So like one example of this was like, I, I got cut from my soccer team sophomore year and I'm a pretty good soccer player, grew up my whole life playing in Indonesia. And I was like, there must be something wrong, probably because I had... I was poor. I grew up in a poor family. I don't mind. Most about your weaknesses, right? Yep. Grew up in a poor family. I had shoes that were too small, blisters on my feet. I wasn't playing the best soccer because of that. And I got cut and I was so sad, devastated. I thought, you know, I'm not a quitter. I'm going to go back junior year and get on the team. So I joined cross country just to get in shape for soccer. Um, had old knockoff shoes. They weren't even Reeboks. They were like knockoff of Reebok. <laughs> Old shoes full of holes, and I started winning first place in these JV races in my first year, racing against 70 other boys and all these other high schools. First place, I would win. Next race, first place, next place, first place. And my coaches would ask me, Why do you run so hard? Because I would push the toss, I would push ourselves all the way to almost you faint, and then you just cross the finish line right before you faint, pretty much. And they're like, Why do you run so hard? And I said, Well, I believe in Jesus and just giving my best at everything I do. And they're like, Looked at me like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but I said, they said, okay, just keep doing it. So they brought me up to varsity my first year. Um, would go to competitions in San Diego and Mount Sac and all these different places. 
and I was on the varsity team, we made it to the Pac-7 championship and we beat every other school in the region my first year ever. And I was on that varsity team that won the race. Um, and the reason I share that story, um, one, as a believer, I think we get to bring other people into victory with us, you know? Two, you know, when you really follow God and you believe life and death is real, there is a heaven, there's a hell, you know, I was living all out for God since high school. And anybody can do that. And that's why I'm sharing this with you. It says the testimony in Revelation, it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So it's saying, God, do it again. I pray that more people will live fully for you since junior high, fully for high school. So I just invite you guys, it's never too young to start living for the Lord. You know, go for him in junior high, high school, and lead other people to him as well. Wow. So uh, you have always been one of the most positive people that I know since I met you, one of the most joyful people that I know since I met you. Um, there is something about joy that's rooted in grief, mm. you know, and I've talked with you enough to know that, uh, life's not been easy. Uh, you lost your mom really young and you were very, very close mm. and that really can go a few different ways in life, you know, depending on how you react to that. Uh, what I saw from you and what I heard from your story is you, you took the faith your mom had, you know, and you doubled down. You were like, no, I'm going to draw closer to God. Mm. Um, we all have our questions about life, myself included. You know, the, the whys, we all have our whys. Why did this happen? Well, the reality is you don't uh, get answers most of the time. Um, you can find comfort in the promises, though, that you get from God based on the whys that pop up in your life. Well, why did this happen? Why, why didn't this go my way? Why, why did life not um, calculate and happen the way that I had planned it to? And um, in those moments, we can get these promises, you know, from God that instead of driving us farther away from him can actually drive us more to him. And I've seen you do that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think um, that's a hard thing for people to uh, understand. Mm -hmm. You know, can you yeah. chat, talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so the way I look at it is <clears throat> pain and suffering is actually an invitation to go deep with God. Um, I don't chase after it. <laughs> you know, we don't try to walk into terrible situations, but when we are in a, in a trial, because it says, you know, trials just come, you know, it's, I look at it, it's like an invitation. Hey, do you want to go deep with God today? Because here's a shortcut. Here's something that's going to take you really deep. And so whenever I'm feeling that pain or that sadness, or even, I mean, even over the, you know, pandemic when everything shut down, um, I, I lost all my jobs, all the churches were shut. Honestly, I made quite a few mistakes over that period of my life. Um, it was a, I was sad, I was lonely, all the churches were closed. I actually got in arguments with pastors about, hey, you should open the church because we're all <laughs> struggling here, you know? Yeah. And then I started hosting house church in my apartment in downtown LA, 14 people packed in there, and I have actors weeping and crying and saying, 
if you weren't hosting church right now, when everybody, I could get fined, I could have gotten fined from the government, I could have gotten shut down, and God just told me just host church. And my friends would be weeping, saying like, if you weren't hosting church, and I, if I didn't have this encouragement, I might have taken my life over COVID. So you know, it's like that's why it says in Hebrews chapter uh, ten, verse twenty-four, twenty-five: Don't stop meeting together. Don't stop meeting together is the habit of some, but meet together all the more as you see the day approaching. So, anyway, through the pandemic, a lot of hard things happened. I lost, um, you know, all, all my acting jobs. Everything was just shut. You know, sometimes you have to go through the door of humility to go forward. And I, I started driving for, I think it was like Postmates or something. You know, going from making a decent amount, having like lobster for lunch and steak and chicken to making very small wage and sweating yeah. and working hard and just thinking, what is what am I doing with my life? You know, this is horrible. And even then it was an opportunity, it was an invitation to go deep. So I would drive around LA and I would listen to a podcast. I'd listen to a sermon. And then, and I'm still frustrated by afternoon. So what I do, I turn another podcast, another sermon on, boom, 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 driving around. I'm still not feeling, I'm still kind of frustrated by my work situation. It's the evening time, okay? I turn a third sermon on, boom. So now I'm listening to three sermons a day, driving around, you know? And that's how I look at it. Your, your pain, your suffering, whatever you're going through is an invitation to go connect with God, whether it's through listening to a sermon or podcast, reading your Bible, playing worship, you know, God... God wants to connect with us on real levels. And emotions are not a bad thing. It's just learning how to use that emotion to connect with God. Like even I was just on the East Coast, uh, actually doing a little house church and other stuff um, in North Carolina. And I had one day where I was feeling kind of lonely. I was feeling kind of sad because I was like kind of radical and just <clears throat> more people would be radical about their faith. I was just feeling kind of sad. And I could have just let it out on my family. I could have let it out on somebody. But I just zipped my mouth shut, went outside, grabbed my guitar. I wrote a whole new song on the guitar about, you know, I'd rather be an outcast than comfortable in my sin, you know. I'd rather John the Baptist than and purity deep within. And I wrote this whole song. And my sadness was actually an invitation to pull me in deeper to God through writing a song, through playing worship on guitar. So whatever you're going through, you know, let that be an invitation, whether you go read Lamentations and Proverbs or Psalms. David writes a lot of sad psalms, you know. God wants to connect with us where we're at. Um, so that's my encouragement to you. Let, let your pain be an invitation to connect with God deeper. Okay, you touched on another thing about the, uh, the pandemic. There are a lot of reactions to, um, you know, how are we going to gather together as believers at that time. Um, I didn't feel that too much because at that point in my life we had already been meeting uh we it was me and adam watson bobby ramsey i mean there were three of us we started a, a church in a jiu-jitsu studio here in san Clemente. so we we were i was already fine with three people in the church but but you know i if if you didn't have three people in your church <laughs> you were pretty bummed you know because people had expectations about things but i was already used to there being a few people and I had already gotten accustomed to just uh, really looking forward to it. I've seen a lot of beautiful things happen um, in smaller settings in the last, the last big season of my life. It's been beautiful. And um, I heard uh, from friends of mine that are in different uh, religious contexts where the 
environments are bigger. They had a very hard time with that. Uh, for obvious reasons, it, it didn't fit their model, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Well, it, you know, you don't have to follow God very long to find out that God is outside of models, mm. you know? And um, he's always doing something new. Um, the last part of my life, I've seen God do amazing things, putting people, tell, telling people who don't even know that they're a leader to open up their home and have people over for food and to worship and Bible study and people coming to the Lord, uh, people leading things and starting things that don't fit in conventional boxes. Mm -hmm. This is, it's been very, very exciting. Right. And yeah, you have any thoughts on that? Just about how God uses people who don't feel like they're, they should be leading. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, I think for the American audience, I think the house church is such a, a new model because for hundreds of years in America, we've had a church building, everybody goes there. There's nothing really wrong with that, you know, as long as you're preaching the Bible. But there's this quote, you know, that says, you know, in times of change, learners inherit the earth while the learned find themselves beautifully prepared for a world that no longer exists. Bingo. And um, it's just good to keep learning, you know. Obviously, you stay true to the book, stay true to the Bible, but you can change your style of meeting for worship. And understanding how it is, I, I was recently in a church service, um, and there's a big building, and there's about 20 people in this huge building. Hmm. And I'm like, wow, there's probably seats for like 300 people. There's probably 15 to 20 people in this building. And I'm just thinking about it, nothing wrong with it, but I'm just thinking this is interesting, you know? Hmm. And and then I did a I did a house church meeting literally just on the beach. No resources, no money, no yep. building, Nothing. no lights. Uh, just in May, I texted everyone two days before. Twenty five people came from you know San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, Malibu, Orange County, LA, San Clemente, Oceanside. And then I had I had more people there than in this huge church building. So. I just want to challenge anyone in America who might not be aware or familiar with the house church model. You know, sometimes it's more effective. And we bless every big church. We bless what they're doing. We love what they're doing. But it's it's just good to realize that, you know, in a lot of countries like Thailand, you know, India, China, Indonesia, some of the largest, those are the three largest countries by population uh, with America as well in the mix of the top four. Three out of the top four, Indonesia, China and India, their main way of meeting for churches is house churches. <clears throat> Hundreds of thousands of people spread across in different house churches. So it's just, it's good to, you know, I just encourage you, open up your mind, open up your heart, even just pray, ask God, like, what, what could I do for my community? Or how could I bless people? You know, we're, we're not fighting against anyone. We, we love every church that meets and preaches the Bible, whether you're yeah. big or small. But it's really cool to see what God is doing in the house churches right now. And like, for example, when the whole shutdown happened in 2020, it was just a really effective way to reach people. Like I said, all the churches in LA had shut down, you know, every single one. I, can, I, I was trying to go to church and fellowship with anybody because I was lonely and depressed. And I was just like, and God said, well, why don't you know church? It's like, okay. 
People would say like, you could get paid for snitching on someone. You could get fined for hosting a meeting. And I was just like, you know what? I just gotta risk it. I lived in the very middle of downtown LA in a small little apartment for one person. <laughs> Packed it out there. You know, we, had, we were having this, this one worship and prayer night, this little house church. 14 of my friends, you know, black, white, Latino, Asian, all types of people, all my friends packed like shoulder to shoulder, as close as you can get in this house, where you're supposed to be playing six feet apart, whatever. We're shoulder to shoulder in this little room, stacks of pizza stacking up on the table. I'm about to play guitar and start leading worship. And my friend thinks my apartment manager is one of my friends, because I have friends of all ages. He's like, hey, why don't you come in? And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Our meeting's gonna get shut down, I'm gonna get fined. He's gonna get paid. This is terrible. He's not a believer. You know, 50 year old guy who walks around in black clothes and a long white beard. I'm just like, oh man, this meeting's gonna get shut down before it even started. But you know, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a little tricky. I'm, I might be related to Jacob in the Bible, who knows? You know, I'm thinking, <laughs> what can I do right now? Okay, I remember my guy, he likes food. So I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna offer him some pizza. See if I can distract him. <laughs> so hey man, you want some pizza? And he's like, sure, I would love some pizza. He loves to eat. So he's just chopping the pizza, he's chopping a second piece probably by this time. And I'm trying to get him out the door because we're trying to start the meeting. And I, hey man, you want to go make your nightly rounds? He's the night manager. Or do you want to stick around and hang out? Or do you want to go make your nightly rounds? I'm trying to politely say like, do you want to you leave now? Or like, you know, we're trying to start this meeting. And he said, oh yeah, I, I love guitar music. I would love to stay. And I was like, Oh no, inside I'm just like, oh, let's see what happens now, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I, outside I'm just completely poker face, and I'm like, you know, okay, sure, great, cool, you know, so I just start leading worship, and we all just start worshiping God, the whole room of us just starts singing and worshiping and praising, and he just stays there standing, we have no room, everyone's sitting on my bed, on benches, on chairs, the whole room is packed. He, there's no place for him to sit. So he's standing up there eating a slice of pizza. And uh, he just keeps standing and eating pizza. And I listening to, he loves guitar and, and Led Zeppelin, all these artists. And he just is listening to guitar and just loving it. We go through the whole worship, the whole uh, little church service in my house. He stays for the whole time. He's the last one to leave. He's talking to everybody. He's getting blessed. We're praying for him. We just have this amazing time. He doesn't shut us down. He doesn't find us. He's just, he just is so stoked to hang out with people who are loving him and, and feeding him and being a friend, you know? So, yeah, sometimes, I mean, over the, that whole shutdown, the, the house churches was really a, a great model to reach people. And like I said before, people came up to me, my acting friend would come up to me and say, you know, if you weren't hosting these meetings, I might have been so depressed, I would have taken my life. So they're weeping and just saying, thank you so much for hosting these meetings. Yeah, and I, and I really feel like God is using uh, using it, but maybe not for the reasons that people might think. Um, I live in San Clemente. You live in Malibu. Um, when you invite people, when you invite 20 to 30 friends to the beach or 20 to 30 friends to the coffee shop or to a bar or to a park, and we've pretty much seen these little small churches pop up pretty much everywhere at this point. And I've always wondered you know why are they so effective and i think one of the one of the things is is where we live in california nobody really trusts each other you know and there's a there and because 
there's an authenticity problem. Hmm. And the average man in America doesn't trust one other man. Hmm. Wow. And we live in a culture where uh, the average man doesn't trust even one other man. Uh, for the most part, people don't trust each other. And authenticity really is at the center of that. Hmm. You know, people are just... People are, are starving for a friend, a real friend, someone that they trust. And in these smaller environments, when you're just doing stuff that you love, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of times people try to have an attractional ministry. Uh, I'm not uh, in that camp. Uh, I try to have an attractional life. You know, and putting all of my effort into just being, the Bible talks about being salt and being light. Mm -hmm. And you're, you have an interesting gift mix. You, uh, if you do a Venn diagram, you can like draw circles and then, you, and then where the circles overlap, there are areas of commonality. You have a bunch. You've got like surfing, which you're really good at. You've got music. You've got acting, you've traveled a bunch, um, and you love Jesus in the center of it. And so what I've seen in your life, you had, you had it on your heart to be in Malibu. God really put that on your heart to be there. Um, you live there now. Mm -hmm. You live there now. <laughs> you have work there now. Um, God's, you uh, are doing house church there, doing ministry all over the place out of... Malibu and uh, it's been incredible to watch to see how you've really held on to that dream that God gave you about where you were going to be where you were supposed to live and uh, that's been awesome to watch but can you just share for what, what do you think about this idea of trust you know and, and how people don't trust each other but when you invite friends to just stuff that you're doing, like hanging out at the beach, that's almost like mm -hmm. way more effective than anything you could ever do to just show God's love to people. Totally. I, I think, you know, <clears throat> trust, authenticity, good relationships, you know, at the end of the day, everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be understood for who they are and to be loved for who they are. And, it's hard when you're like wearing a mask or you're not authentic or you don't have these relationships with me if you don't have trust. And where I work, you know, in LA and Hollywood, this is the least trust ever. Everybody's yeah. trying to shoulder up off of you, get your Angling, money, get angling. your connections, get, yeah. get whatever they can from you. Yeah. And what does trust look like in that environment? And I've had to learn, you know, I, I have a lot of friends, you know, who are, you know, successful singers or producers or actors or people. And <laughs> sometimes they get shocked when they offer me something really big, like, hey, I could put you on this TV show right now and get you on this big world tour like I'm doing with my daughter. Do you want me to do that for you? And I said, well, yeah. maybe if God is on it, but if God's not on it, I don't really want it. But yeah, maybe if God is on it, but my heart is to please God. And, I think LA and Hollywood is longing for people to love them as a real friend or any anywhere in California, but I mean, 
this is like almost the hardest place, Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and I think, I guess for me, I just talking about my life, like I'm so grateful for friends like Ryan, brothers, Ryan Dummett, Chad Deadman, uh, yeah. Dana McGregor. Awesome guys. You know, um, people awesome I can guys. just be myself with. We talk yeah. about our trials. We hang out over coffee. Um, it's interesting how there's actually there's a correlation between uh, confessing and being healed. It even says mm -hmm. in the Bible, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, and you'll be healed. <laughs> it's not just talking about physical healing, but spiritual healing, mental healing, emotional healing. It's really good to have people <clears throat> that you can trust and maybe you feel like, I don't have any friends or I don't have anyone I can trust. Well, why doesn't it start? How about it start with you? Are you trustworthy? Are you being a good friend to somebody else? Like, um, I won't say their name, but this very famous singer from Europe who I made friends with on the set, I gave him a prophetic word, uh, just an encouraging word from God. And then we became friends, you know, very, very famous person, millions of followers. And I just wanted to be a friend to them and show them, hey, I just want to be your friend. I started giving them free surf lessons at the beach. We just hang out, free surf lessons. <clears throat> just go hang out and be friends, you know? You're black, I'm white, yeah. teaching you how to surf. We're having a blast. You're having a blast. I'm just here to be your friend. And people can tell when you're just being an authentic, genuine friend to them. And, and now we've been friends <clears throat> for years. She called me up the other day to thank me for whatever, praying for her or doing something for a friend, like inviting her, to, I even invite her to the house churches and things that we do in Malibu. She gets blessed, you know? And it's like, I mean, first you have to get right with God, you know, just go read the Bible, pray, get yourself right with God, get in community, get in church, get in house church. And if you see people who have good friendships, try to start hanging out with them, learning from them, learn from Ryan, what does he do? You know, it says, even Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Hang out with people like Ryan or other people that you see who have great friendships, who have trust. Ask them, pick their mind, pick their brain. Hang out with them, look at how they interact with their friends. Because right now I can say I have, I have incredible, loyal, solid friends in my life. Mm. I try to focus on a key few. I have a lot of text messages yeah. on my phone, but I focus on the key few who I, who I build with. Pastor Ryan, Chad Deadman, Dana McGregor. Yep. You know, I could name a few others. Good Kevin, guys. Kevin Deadman, you know? Good guys. We, we build together. We love each other. And I'm so grateful for these amazing loyal friends. I always say even just talk to Ryan more about that. You know, if you, if you need to learn more about that. It's, it's the best thing in life. There's the best thing in life. God keeps telling me more and more in life. What is the treasure of life? The treasure of life is people. People. 100%. Winning souls, 100%. friends. It's, it's a treasure of life, you know? Yeah, I... Uh, I have always just tried to be that, be a, be a loyal friend, try to look out for my friends, try to take care of my friends. Uh, doesn't mean I, I have agreed with all of their decisions, but I still try to be loyal to my friends and my family. And, and um, it's, it, it's interesting too. I've been to your, your house church many, many times. One time I rode a hundred miles on my bicycle and then, and then <laughs> I told you I was coming and then I showed up and I was there and you saw me in my gear and you're like, dude, you rode your bike from San Clemente to come to my house church? I was like, yeah, bro. And you're like, there is no excuse for anyone in LA to not come to church. You rode a hundred miles to come to right. my church. Right. And um, 
you know, we, we laughed about that. Um, but yeah, just, just trying to support the people that are close to you in your life. Um, and not, not just trying to do things for people cause it's the right thing to do. You know, I mean, I've been to your, I've been to your church and I laughed because I was like, yeah, there's 20 or 30 people here or whatever. And then if, and then this has got to be like the most, inf, the most influential, <laughs> this has got to be the most influential small church that I've ever seen ever that I've ever been to. And, and I laugh because that's your, I really think your calling, you know, I, I think there are, not everyone can uh, handle that. I know a lot of people, <laughs> there's a difference between what you want and then what you can handle. And I mean, I've lived here my entire life, so I've seen some things. I haven't seen everything, but I've seen some things. And most people can't can't handle that. Mm -hmm. You do really well um, because you have a lot of humility. And um, I don't know where that comes from all the time. I think there's some people that just, uh, they have a, I think people do well when they have more humility than they do influence. Mm -hmm. And you, you have that quality. I want to encourage you with that. And I think that's why God's put you in Malibu and mm -hmm. why you've been so fruitful there. And I want to admonish you in that. Mm -hmm. you, you set a great example for so many people in that. That's a, that's a, it's a very unique uh, gift mix, you know? And um, I always pray for you that you'll just keep, you're a good dude, just keep having more favor and, and keep uh, doing what you're doing. You're, you're making, Jesus said, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus has the authority. He says, so go and make disciples. You baptize them, the name of the Father and the Son, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So when we make a disciple, we're simply trying to teach somebody else the things that we have learned about God. Mm -hmm. And what are your thoughts on, you know, just like disciple making and how much you, I know you've led a lot of people to the Lord up there and touched a lot of lives, dude. What are some of your, your thoughts? Yeah. You're, you're, you're very honoring. You always tell me, oh yeah, I learned from, well, I learned a lot from you. So just talk to me about, about yeah. that. Man, disciple making. Um, I could share a lot of different stories. It's it's uh, it's fun when God just puts somebody in your life, you know. Um, I'm thinking of a couple of different stories. One from college, one from Malibu. I guess we'll talk about Malibu since we're there. Yeah, talk about that. But uh, so. My friend, he, he's already like posted publicly about this, so it's awesome. It's already out there publicly. But um, my friend Israel Dufus, um, he's a he's a great guy. Loves God, loves people. Professional boxer. He beat every other boxer in South America. He's from Panama. He's not in the U.S. and he still boxes internationally, professionally. Um, and. Um, I met him, we were both uh, soccer players on this one TV show, and I met him, and we've just been friends for years. We made a song together in Spanish and English, um, 2020 Vision, check it out on Spotify. But anyway, um, 
we've been friends for years and after the whole shutdown and reopen um <clears throat> i was i was just thinking i need to reach out to israel and, and invite him to one of my house church meetings in malibu i think i think he would want to come so i said hey israel do you believe in god he said do you like surfing <laughs> <laughs> so okay okay <laughs> i get it you want to come you want to come worship and pray we're just going to do a little music a little prayer have a little food yeah and i mean let me just tell you this as a side note when you have god's agenda and i have god's agenda in malibu i'm not there for really anything else ryan knows how hard it was for me to get there yep that's a whole nother story but <clears throat> i'm just trying to my joy and delight is seeing other people taste how good God is. Taste and see how good God is. Let's taste and see that God is good. And so I just, doing these house churches that people would get as on fire about God is me because that, that brings me joy. So I'm like, hey man, you want to come worship and pray with us? He comes, he brings his French girlfriend, Audrey, who's amazing. He worships and prays with us. Um, with the favor, you know, I'm just seeking God's will. And now I'm meeting in this huge mansion in Malibu. For free, bigger than some church buildings I've seen. For free, that to me is always, that to praying. me is, that to me has always been the funny part because the you couldn't. I mean, you literally couldn't come up with enough money to try to, you know, show that community of thirteen thousand people that live there, plus the students at Pepperdine. I know that's the attendance is the city has more than that when the when the students are there. Uh, but you you couldn't come up with a, a big enough amount of money to to impress, and it turns out God hasn't needed any money. Mm -hmm. Just people who love Him and are willing to step out and and change people's lives and see yeah. lives changed. So it's wild. So we're meeting in this beautiful mansion on this hill and. Israel comes up to me afterwards, he's like, hey man, I needed that, like that worship and that prayer, man, it really touched my heart, I needed that, I need this in my life. So he starts coming every week, I think, for like maybe five weeks, and he's like, man, God's calling me, man, I gotta go all in for the Lord, I feel God stirring in my heart, like I gotta just follow him all, all the way. So I'm like, okay, sweet man, like have you, have you ever been baptized before? You know, because that's an outward proclamation of your inward faith. And he said, oh, well, not really as a, as a baby, you know, Catholic when you're just a baby. And I said, well, this is your like, adult baptism. You're an adult now. You can think for yourself. Like, this is you saying to the world, I'm going to follow Jesus. So it's like, yeah, yeah, I think I should do that. And so we set up this time. Uh, we go down to the pier in Malibu, first point, you know. Um, there's hundreds of people on the beach, non-believers, obviously. Believers, non-believers, hundreds of people on the beach. There's like 20 of our friends who are believers, you know, black, white, Latino, all types of people, because that's our friend group, you know, we're all one big family. <clears throat> and uh, we go down the beach, and um, people are looking at us like, what is this white guy doing, like baptizing this black guy? Like, what, what's happening? Like, what's yeah, happening I was there. I was there. It was a trip. You know? Yeah, it was a trip. seaweed going in the waters, like Israel's like brushing the seaweed off. And, you know, whenever you baptize someone, you want to make sure um, you want to make sure that they're really saved, they really understand the gospel. And so I said, you know, Israel, have you asked Jesus to forgive your sins? Um, he's like, yes, I want to follow God the rest of my life. I'm like, okay, well, let's baptize you. You obviously are saved. You ask God for forgiveness of your sins. 
you're going to heaven. So let's just make an outward uh, proclamation of your faith. <clears throat> so I get there, baptizing in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Boom, smash them under the water, bring them back up. Everybody's clapping, cheering. Ryan's there. I think Ryan's there. One taking photos. You're taking photos. Taking photos. Yeah, Ryan's because because you you had asked me, hey, do you want to baptize right. Israel? And I said, no, you you do that. Right. He, you've or the friend right. in his life, and I'll take the pictures. Right. But the picture that I took, I sent to him. Right. And it ended up in the. Right, so, so this yeah. is what happens, right? So Ryan's <laughs> taking photos. Yeah. I, we, we're praying over him. After you baptize someone, it's great to just pray over them, fill them with the Holy Spirit, pray and encourage them. Um, they're just letting go and dying to all their old ways, coming back into new life. So just fill them up, lay your hands on them, pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit, pray for them to just encourage them, give them prophetic words from God. And um, Ryan's taking photos. We send it to Israel. Israel is, you know, a public figure has 100,000 followers on Instagram. People follow this guy. People love this guy. He's a national hero of Panama. He posts on his Instagram about the baptism. <clears throat> I didn't know about this. Ryan didn't know about this. We're just doing what we do. Israel is the one who wanted to make it super public. So I'm like, okay, you know, I don't even post that much to be honest. Yeah. Israel wanted to post it. I'm like, okay, sweet. He posts it on his Instagram, you know, thousands of people are loving it and hundreds of people are commenting like, Hey, I'm a Christian too. This is encouraging my faith. And now Israel is discipling his people. Israel is discipling his 100,000 followers, you know? And this is amazing. He texts me the next day, he sends me this article on, on this news website. And he says, hey man, it looks like you're famous now in Panama. I said, what do you mean, man? Like, <laughs> I look at the article, I, I read Spanish, and I read this whole article in Spanish about, hey, Israel Dufus, our, our hero, boxer, you know, just got baptized by this guy named Nico in Malibu and all yeah, this. Fine. So this, this news website pretty much got a hold of this photo <laughs> that Ryan took and published it in international news in this, one of the biggest news websites on, in Latin America, all across Panama and other, other places. So it's just amazing, like Ryan was talking about earlier, if you're faithful with the little things, God just blows it up. And, you know, it's amazing watching Israel. And now we just baptized Audrey the other day. I don't know awesome. if I heard about that. We baptized all the Methodist church in Malibu. Amazing. You know, it's about teamwork, you know, and unity. And now they both got baptized. And it's like, I love these guys. These are my friends. And these are amazing people that are, you know, Audrey works for Netflix. Israel is, is an actor and a model and a boxer. These are influential people in LA that we love. And God has put them in our lives to disciple. We, you know, people disciple me. You know, Ryan disciples me, Chad disciples me, you know, we all need people to, to learn from. And this is like some of my great friends who I've had the privilege of helping, you know, pray with and baptize and just discipleship is a long journey. It could be years and years and years, but it's a beautiful journey of, of friendship. And when you're discipling somebody, you don't even have to say that you're discipling them when you're hanging out with them. You know, you could know in your head, I'm discipling this person. I'm the spiritual father of this person. But you don't have to rub it into them. You could just say, hey, we're hanging out. We're getting coffee. We're reading the Bible together. We're hanging out. You know, you didn't have to mention that. I don't, I don't think I've ever said in my life that I was discipling someone. <laughs> uh, does it, that feels weird to me. I don't. I, I, it's it's Jesus' command. Right. So we want to. That's what we're all about. Right. What Jesus says and teaches. So but good. just my way that I relate. I just, I think of it as trying to be someone's friend 
and influencing them into like God's mission for their life. Because there's like what we want to do with our life, which is unfruitful. It's just unfruitful. It's the right word. It's unfruitful. What we want to do with our life is you can justify it, but it's unfruitful. Um, when you when you get into God's mission for your life, the fruit happens, and we want to we want to have fruit that shows Christ. Yeah, yeah. So I I think of it as um, just trying to influence someone. You know, try to use a friendship, be a good friend to someone. And influence them to God's mission for their life. I, <clears throat> I'm a teacher, public school system. I teach special education. There was a guy six weeks ago who um, is one of the camp, camp, campus counselors on at school. And I went up to him and I said, "Hey, man, you're you're a, you're a good dude." And he goes, he goes, "No one ever tells me that." And I said, "Well, why?" But you are, man. And he goes, because uh, I can see how he interacts with the with the kids and stuff. He goes, I don't feel that way. I'm just, I have to go back to school. I'm 39, and I have to get this this this. Uh, I have to go back, and I have to work on my degree. And all my other friends are are doing this stuff. And and I and I said and I said to him, Hey, dude, what we do doesn't define us. You know, and it's like he needed to. Hear that, and and then he told me, he goes, "Can you come by every day and tell me something good?" This is this is a guy that I work with. Hey, and you know, my personality, I view that as okay. You know, like, um, yeah, I am gonna come by and just try to say something good, mm-hmm. you know, and, and influence him in the. And I invited him to our to our guys' church. He didn't come, but I invited him. And just trying to be his friend, just trying to be encouraging to people. People are starving for someone to say something encouraging to them anywhere. The grocery store, people don't even look in California. People don't even look each other in the eye at the store. Everywhere you go, people are dying to have someone say something nice to them, something encouraging to them. Let's talk for a second about this idea of prophecy and like what that means. Mm -hmm. You know, I, uh, one way that I look at it, I'll share one way. I'd like you to share one way, but one way that I view prophecy is calling out in someone what you think God sees them as. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like if someone doesn't know what that is, they'll view it and experience that, experience it as this incredibly encouraging thing mm-hmm. when someone looks at you and like affirms mm-hmm. who who you are and why you're here. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. What do you? What do you? What are your? What's some of your yeah, thoughts? I totally that? agree with that. Um, I totally agree with that. I think prophecy is actually really simple if you just think about it as hearing God's voice for another person. Because mm. Ryan and I both are people of prayer. We love to pray. Um, and we believe when we pray, we can actually, it's not just, it's a two-way street. We, we talk to God, but then God also talks to us. So if God can talk to me about myself, it's kind of silly to think that God couldn't talk to me about Ryan. Yeah. And encourage him. 
Yeah. You know, so like just the other day, I was at this worship night in Anaheim and I was praying for this, uh, the daughter of this guy who, she was like a sixth grade girl. I said, I just, I just feel like I see this vision of you dancing and I feel we're praying for her to get healed. And I just said, I feel like you're going to get fully healed and be able to fully dance. And um, this is actually a crazy story. But uh, she said, you know what? Ever since I was a little girl, I wanted to be a dancer. And, you know, that's, it's a prophecy. It's, I'm just saying, hearing God's heart over her life, and she's encouraged by that because only God could have known. I couldn't have known that. Only God could have known that about her. So it's, it's encouraging to her. It's just another type of prayer, you know, and just sharing with other people. And um, that girl, actually, it was, it was wild because she had an Achilles tendon that was too short on her left side. She had two surgeries, wasn't able to um, run since she was four years old. She's now sixth grade. So we pray for her. I, I, I prophesied over her, I, I think you're going to be a dancer. She can't even run. She said, I always wanted to be a dancer. So I start praying for her and um, just put my hand on her ankle, praying for her. And, you know, it's just, it's amazing. Like, God is God and I'm just a human. But God can do anything. He says, nothing is impossible with God. It's easy. Yeah. It's easy for God. You know, and, and Jesus healed people in the, in the New Testament. And it says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why wouldn't he heal people right now? So I pray for her ankle. She starts walking around. She says, I don't have any more pain when I walk. That's weird. You know, I used to have to walk on my tiptoes. Now I don't have any more pain. And so now I'm getting excited because God is presence is touching her, healing her. It's not me, it's God. So I put my, she said, now my knee is feeling weird. God, I can tell God's healing her whole leg. So pray for her knee, her knee gets healed. And then I grab her ankle and pray for her again that she'd be able to fully run. I feel the Holy Spirit telling me, ask her to run, test it out. So I say, hey, um, now I prayed a second time for your ankle. Do you want to go run and test it out? She's getting overwhelmed now. She's like, oh my gosh, God is doing so much. Like, give me five minutes. She sits for five minutes. She gets up and she starts running around this pool in Anaheim. We took a video of it. And her dad, her dad's as a chiropractor, starts weeping and crying because he's tried two surgeries on his daughter and nothing worked. And now he sees his daughter running around his pool. She hasn't been able to run since four years old. And now she's running around. The dad's knee gets healed. We pray for the dad's knee. He gets healed. And so then the dad and the daughter go for a hike together the next day. Amazing. And so just, honestly, I look at it as like anything you see in the Bible, like the New Testament, whether someone's sharing the gospel, discipling someone, praying for someone to get healed. Jesus told us to do all those things. He said, go make disciples. He said, go cast out demons. He said, go raise people from the dead. Go heal people. And that's what we see all the apostles do. And if God is saying yesterday, today, and forever, then he's still doing it. And honestly, I've seen all of that happen. You know, it's like amazing. And one thing Naltari says as Indonesian missionary is, the more you just focus on sharing the simple gospel and you're scoring the whole mission, sharing the gospel, the more you'll see crazy things that God does, miraculous things that God does. But it's all about bringing God's gospel everywhere we go. Yeah. So anyway, fun times. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's... So when you think about uh, like the future and and things that you pray about. I have, I'm a very, you know me really well. I mean, I like my, my uh, routine. I, I go to bed early. I get up early. I like to pray and read my Bible. I like to get my waves. I go teach. When I'm at school, there's a couple opportunities where I can like return texts and emails and I'm on it. And then I come home and I, 
hang with my family and I like to volunteer for ocean water stuff. So in the afternoons, I'm always like, hey, Lord, who do you want me to call today to just try to talk with them, you know? And I'll call different people. I have this little bench over here where I go sit and just ask God, who do you want me to reach out to today? And I get on the phone and reach out to people. And <clears throat> But this life, and I think about the future and I think about, man, God, what... What can you do? And I have things that I pray about that I don't share. Um, I just pray about them because I because I want them to be personal and I want them to between I want them to be between you know me and the Lord. But I do pray for them all the time, and um, I've seen God do a lot of that. And I the thing I want to talk about a little bit with you is like, do you do that too? Like, do you have things that you like there are, there are people that I pray for, um, and I've prayed for them for years. <clears throat> One was um, a, a recent family member that I asked to uh, just this person can't read, so I got them on a one-year Bible plan, and they just play it like an audio Bible, and they've been playing it at work for two years. And then just last week, this family member of mine came up to me and said, I found, I found uh, Jesus wow. and gave me the biggest hug and said, thank you for um, putting these seeds in my life. And so I have a lot of people that I pray for and a lot of circumstances mm -hmm. and a lot of things that I want the Lord to see like in the world. Do you have a lot of that too? Oh, definitely. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I got my Bible, I got my journal. Um, and I love, one thing I love about Ryan, he's super consistent, he's super faithful, he, he's on it. He does really get up at what, 4.30 a.m. 4 a.m., 3.45. It's wild. And um, I think one of the beautiful things about God <clears throat> is understanding God as a person. Sometimes people are very disciplined and it's a gift. Sometimes people are very spontaneous and it's a gift. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's a beauty to understand how to do both. Yep. You know, sometimes I'm on a missions trip and I'm running around doing church services and praying for people and all this stuff. Sometimes I'm at home and I have a routine of, you know, I, have, I literally have this list of all these different things um, I do. There's spiritual growth right here. Look, boom. This whole wow. list. So, and this is, it's spirituality, reading your Bible, connecting with God. It's not about just doing the right thing to go to heaven. We're saved by the grace of God. But reading your Bible and doing all these things strengthens your faith. So why would you not do that? You know, it's like you're saved through the door by grace and you're saved by grace, of course, always. But it's like, I want to think about how much can I get of God? I want to get as much as I can. I want to read as much of the Bible and any other great author I, I can. And so, you know, I have on my list, if I have time in the day, maybe, maybe I'll have three hours. I'm, I don't share this very often, but I'm sharing this as a teaching moment. Please. You know, sometimes I'll spend three or four hours just doing this, reading the Bible and going through this list. I don't do it necessarily every day. If I'm at home and I have time and I'm doing this, it's, it's just great. It refreshes my soul. I get back from a missions trip. I journal. I read my Bible. So this is my list. I go read the Old Testament. 
I read the New Testament. I'm kind of strange, so I read the Bible in Greek, in Spanish, in Indonesian. Um, I do listening prayer. I listen to God. Prayer of intercession, praying for others. Prayer resolution, getting myself right with God. Guitar, worship, praying Matthew 7, asking God for things that I need. Tongues, evangelism, discipleship, those things I have to do outdoors. Reading spiritual books by any other good author. Podcasts, sermons, thankfulness prayer, taking communion, getting right with God. So that's just a list. I can do that for three hours and I just get so refreshed. I get so blessed. It's not about the list. It's not about doing the right thing to earn God's favor. I'm already saved. But I just want to see how much can I get of God. And I share that list with you because maybe maybe you want to connect with God like Ryan every morning. And I just encourage you, you know, just start by reading one chapter of the Bible a day. If you want to do more, you can do more things on that list. And it just refreshes your soul, fills you up. I journal, I pray. And I mean, that's how Ryan and I really live our lives. If you want to really know us, like we pray about what we do. We, we pray, we get with the Lord, we make a plan, we journal, we write down prayers. And it starts with prayer and then it goes to action, right? <laughs> Ryan does both really well. He prays, he takes a lot of action. I pray a lot. I think I need to take some more action sometimes. I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> thanks for that. I mean, I, I very much, like I like to, I definitely, I like to pray and read my Bible in the morning for an hour. It's been like a routine for as long as I can remember. And I have a list and I have like a note. I write down people's names and people say things to me. And I got a lot of people, but I want to make sure that when I see them, that the next time I see them, I can say, hey, you know, I've been praying for you. Um, If I feel the need to say that, you know, um, and I also, um, I like to listen to, and I, go, I have a one-year Bible plan, but also um, <clears throat> always on the way to the beach, I listen to some um, some worship from Charlie and Ryan uh, and Michael. Listen, I love those guys. I tell them that every time I see them. I appreciate them so much. Um, but they have some stuff on SoundCloud that I that I really like. I'll listen, I'll listen to uh, just all the way there, like 30 minutes. From the time that I leave my house to when I get in the water, it's about... 25 minutes so I get like 25 minutes and then on the way to school I'll put some more on and then on the way home from school so I'm either like throughout the day I'm either like I'm just filling my mind with you know some really good worship I also have a lot of podcasts that I like to listen to I'm also in the academic world so there's some like science stuff that I like and other just different big books and I like to read but definitely no downtime I like to I like to fill my mind with as much either either scripture or worship or I want to learn you know I love to learn mm-hmm. so I just find like in my downtime that's usually how it's fleshing itself out and it's it's awesome I you, you can actually go through the day and feel close to close to the Lord and mm-hmm. feel full of his spirit mm-hmm. you know like in all circumstances sure. and it's it's good for us to people to know that yeah and I look at it as like your whole day is worship to God you know I get I get with my my Bible and my journal and God will often convict me of things I need to go do like oh remember to pay your phone bill or you know uh finish that music finish that song you're working on whatever so I pray I I get with the Lord maybe I write a list of three or four or five things to do and then the rest of my day is worship I go and do what God just told me to go do, whether it's work, making money. Oh man, 
I only make money when God tells me to make money. I, I want to build the kingdom of God, but if he tells me to go make some money, I'll go make money. Yeah. You know, like, it's just about obedience. But one, but Everything one, is obedience. But one's before yeah. the other. Yeah, yeah. And, and exactly. it's money, money is great, but I know plenty of people yeah. who have it and they're not, on the inside, they're falling apart and they're broke. Totally. It's like, where we live, it's like com coming across one way on the outside, but feeling broke on the inside. Yeah. And Jesus wants us to feel like a million bucks on the inside. Yes. And we do that every day. Every day that we invite him in, things are not perfect. Life's yes. not perfect. But every day we invite him in, we get peace. We get joy. Yes. We get grace. We get kindness. The treasure of the kingdom is the peace and the strength and the joy that God gives you every day. But you only get it if you seek it and you ask for it. Mm -hmm. And our natural tendency is to, is to do that uh, when it's the only option. And then life gets really good when you seek God every day as the only option. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's amazing, honestly. Like, And it's... Um, Obviously, money isn't bad. Jesus talked about money in the Bible. But it's like, where is your heart? Where is your priorities? You know, the rich young ruler had everything, and he missed out on the greatest treasure, which is Jesus, because Jesus said, go sell everything and follow me. And, Jesus, and the guy went away sad because he's like, I, I think my worldly wealth is more important than Jesus. And then on the flip side, people like Ryan, they, they have their job, they're being responsible, they're paying their bills, but... His priority is, I'm going to go to El Salvador find a church. I'm going to go here to God's will. And it's, you know, I, I have one friend who, you know, they're into all this business and all this real estate and all this stuff. Their church is dwindling and it's becoming almost nothing. But their mm. finances are booming. And it's just, where is your focus? Where is the focus your of your heart? Yeah. And God loves us so much that he wants us to focus on him first because he really is the greatest treasure. We, we think, you know. Yeah, we think that if we have riches, that we're rich, and we're not. In fact, it's the person that doesn't need the money that's the rich one. My heart is, Lord, give me my riches to help the poor so that I'm not poor. So good. Because you know. if we have riches and we're not helping the poor, we're poor. Mm. We're poor. We're the poor yeah. ones. Because right. you have and you didn't, you know, that's why as we get into like, you know, how do you help people? You know, I mean, I, so for me, because my background's in water, I spent a lot of my time in the last 10 years trying to figure out uh, how to help people with that. Mm -hmm. But there's plenty of ways. I mean, I have a friend uh, the other day, our friend, um, our friend Curtis, he, bought a fifth wheel and spent his own money. I think him and his wife spent, they bought the fifth wheel, they put more money into it. They had like a bunch of money into this thing and they drove it out here to spend some time in California. They spent some time with my, uh, with my friend Ralph in San Diego and, uh, and spent some time here just learning about missions and ministry, wanted to just have an experience with this family. This guy's really, really sharp and has some really good business skills. So he goes back to, back to Texas and, and, and he met this single mom with four kids who didn't have a job. And he gave 
His fifth wheel. Wow. I want to say he had like 50 grand in this thing. Wow. And, and I told him, I said, bro, if you take what you have and you help someone else have housing, mm. the Lord will always make sure you have a ministry. It's amazing. It's just one example. And I know a week ago, yes. story back and forth. Yes. I have my friend, the other, my friend Shane the other day, him and his family, um, they found this, this lady who was really hurting and they went and they got her a thousand dollars of the groceries. Mm. And I, I guess the point is, um, we, you just, uh, when you're trying to take what you have, you know, to, to bless other people, that's the heart of God, right. you know? Right. And, and, and then what I have found in my life is when you, when you, when really your heart is to other, to help other people, mm-hmm. God's always taking care of me. Totally. Totally. Yeah, every, every single time. Yes. Isn't that, it's cool, huh? It's amazing. It's like you can't outgive God. I know it sounds so cliche, but like it's, it's true. It's true. Yeah, and just like one, you know, one example of that is like, uh, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these other things will be given to you as well. Of course, God cares about your finances. Of course, He cares about your health and everything else. But it's what are you seeking first? Like one day, I was in Malibu, and God told me to go surf Rio Carrillo, 